Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Wow, this is a busy, busy week. So much to talk about. The Farm Bill has passed in Congress, goes on now to the President's desk. We have the new Waters of the U.S. rule. China starting to buy some more U.S. soybeans. Lots going on. Here's who we'll be talking with today. We'll talk with the president of the National Association of Conservation Districts, find out how they feel about the conservation title of the new farm bill. Jim Mulhern, president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, will join us to talk about the dairy portions of the new farm bill. And also, Allison Rivera with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association will join us to talk about some of the livestock provisions in the new farm bill. All that coming up, but first, let's get into the story and a behind-the-scenes look at how it passed yesterday in the House by a big vote of 369 to 47. Phil Brasher joins us from AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. That big vote, a little misleading because there was some tension right before that vote. There was another rule vote or procedural vote that was much, much closer. Yeah, yeah. Well, what would a farm bill be without a little bit of drama on the House floor? We just just wouldn't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Great to be here, Mike. Yeah, um, when they take up a major piece of legislation like this, they have a a rule for the debate. And um, the Republican uh, leadership threw in a provision in this totally unrelated to the farm bill. But... um, it was uh, aimed at precluding Democrats from bringing up uh, the issue of the war in Yemen uh, for the rest of this Congress, uh, for the rest of this month. And um, so that drove away Democratic votes. Um, at some point, it became obvious that uh, to House Agriculture Chairman Mike Conaway that he wasn't going to have enough Republican support um, to pass that rule because some, some Republicans weren't voting for it. And so, uh, 18, as it turned out. So he had to go over to the uh, the ranking member on the committee, Colin Peterson, to ask him for help. Uh, Peterson literally turned around to uh, folks that were next to him and asked them to pitch in. Dutch Rutgers Berger from uh, Maryland just happened to be standing next to Peterson, and he's the one that Peterson roped into voting for that rule. Five Democrats, including Peterson vote for the rule, and it uh, was adopted by a mayor of three votes, and that cleared the way to go to uh, the final vote on the on the farm bill itself. So, so that'll be kind of a footnote in history, I guess. I mean, what the record will a show is the, the yeah, the farm bill passed by a huge margin, but it came close to not being voted on because of that non-farm bill related item that almost uh, almost kept it from happening. Yeah, and I, you know, it's, uh, I think even before that, uh, the, the chairman of the rules committee was uh, Pete Sessions uh, was was sweating a little bit, uh, uh, but they really wanted to get that uh, Yemen provision in there, and uh, they did, and uh, yeah, it led to that drama. So, after all the the angst and all the uh, bickering and the debate that went on for months on this farm bill. When it's all said and done, it passes by a big margin, and the most controversial issue, the SNAP provisions, uh, wow, they didn't make that many changes at all, did they? 
No, they didn't, and in an odd sort of way, that may have actually uh, goosed the margin a bit. Um, it uh, made it look that much better. Uh, it was a victory for Democrats, right? So how could Democrats vote against the bill when they had such a big victory, which, you know, but to get to keep all of uh, those uh, SNAP reforms out of there. So uh, you had huge Democratic support in both uh, uh, both uh, virtual virtually unanimous uh, support in both chambers for the bill, um, you know, with very few exceptions among the Democrats in the House and not that many among Republicans. And so you have this huge landslide margins of 80 to seven, 87 to 13 in the Senate and, uh, you know, similar um, margin, uh, almost the exact same margin in the uh, House. Well, as Chairman Conaway told me yesterday, he said, once the election was over, he'd lost his leverage on uh, getting the changes that he was pushing for on that. Oh, that's absolutely right. We talked about that. Uh, he really didn't. There was really nothing he could do when the um, Democrats were going to be in control of the House in January. Not only that, uh, but there was uh, there was even a risk that he might uh, uh, backtrack on uh, some of the other provisions in the bill. Um, potentially now. Uh, Colin Peterson, uh, who's going to be chairman of the committee in House uh, of House Ag in uh, uh, January, said that uh, what he planned to do is to, to put the bill back on the uh, back on the floor then and have the support of uh, House Speaker uh, Pelosi. But we didn't know that uh, months ago. So, yeah. So as far no as leverage. as far as we know, the president will sign this, right? Yes. Yes. I don't think. It, it, even if he didn't sign it, we have way more than a veto-proof margin in both chambers, so uh, um, far more than the two-thirds uh, necessary. So, yeah, and uh, all the signals have been, and Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue has been saying for some time that he would recommend the president sign it. So uh, I don't think there's any any mystery about that. Hey, Phil, are you hearing anything on, uh, you know, the, the news now is China's buying some more soybeans, and now USDA may be delaying that second round of trade aid, that the, the mitigation payments uh, may be because, related to that, so we don't know exactly what's going on there. Have you heard anything, any talk on that? Well, uh, I don't think the talk is out of, of, of USDA. USDA has been trying to go forward with that. And the pushback has been coming from the uh, from the White House. And I think Reuters reported earlier this week, in fact, that the that the White House was pushing back because they expected uh, China to start uh, making buys. Now, whether the purchases that uh, have now been reported as of yesterday are large enough um, for them to justify holding it back is another question. But uh, USDA has been trying to bring this out um, for. Uh, uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, have not been able to get the uh, sign-off uh, from the White House. So that's that's where we are at this point. Yeah, reports are that Chinese state-owned companies this week bought more than one hundred eighty right. million dollars in U.S. soybeans. All right, so what do you, you get to go on a holiday break now that the farm bills passed, Phil? Well, we still have this little uh, uh, fiscal uh, 2019 spending. Oh, yeah. Most of the government is funded, but we still don't have funding bills for some agencies and departments that uh, we really care about in agriculture. That's USDA, FDA, EPA, the Interior Department. Um, 
they happen to be among the handful of uh, uh, departments and agencies that don't have their FY19 funding yet. And so if uh, that uh, continues to get held up in this uh, showdown uh, between uh, President Trump and Democrats in Congress over border wall funding, then that's in doubt. So that's uh, where my, a lot of my attention is going to be for the next um, uh, week and <laughs> hopefully not too much longer than that. Yeah, so you get to walk those halls of Congress a little bit longer before you get to take your Christmas break. All right. Thanks, Uh, Phil. Thanks for the update. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. All right. Well, a big part of the debate on the Farm Bill came down also to the conservation title. We'll talk with the president of the National Association of Conservation Districts, Brent Van Dyke, and see how he feels about the uh, the final bill. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. 
Together, we can save lives. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, the Senate passed the Farm Bill by a big vote of 87 to 13, and the House by a big vote of 369 to 47. After all the weeks and months of uh, debate and arguing over the various provisions, uh, the Farm Bill finally passed. Now let's look at some of the aspects of it, starting with the conservation title, because there was quite a bit of debate over that. Joining us now is Brent Van Dyke, president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. Brent, thanks for joining us. Are you happy with the bill? Oh, Mike, we are elated. It's been a wonderful week for conservation and production agriculture. Um, A lot of things happening on the Hill, and and for the most part, it's been amazing um, contribution for conservation um, and the production of food and fiber. So we are extremely elated. What in particular do you like about the conservation title? Well, we, you know, we're... First and foremost, we are advoc- we were advocating for no cuts to conservation under the 2014 um, Farm Bill. We saw some cuts to title to the conservation title. And we know as production agriculturists, we, we have to have that strong foundation in agriculture and uh, if we're going to have sustainability. And, and that conservation uh, component can bring that or assist in bringing that, excuse me, and um, so, as as you said, the, the Senate passed um, by a wide margin. There, you know, that bill, and then it went to the House and passed by a, a wide margin. Uh, we're extremely optimistic that the president will sign it, and this is really good for agriculture. If we can, if we can finish the year with a farm bill. Um, it's a win-win for American agriculture because it gives us that safety net. It gives us the roadmap um, that defines where we need to go with agriculture. It allows the farmer, the rancher, to to go into their lending office and, and, and borrow money to, to stay in business because that security blanket is there. And some of the things that, um, you know, we, we really like in, in the farm bill is First and foremost, it authorizes no cuts to the conservation uh, title. That was something we really um, asked for and, and participated in debate about. It, it leaves CSP and EQIP um, as separate programs. So we believe that that's important. Um, the CSP program is, is big. I, I live in the West. It, it, it's an important program in the West, as well as the rest of the United States, and then, of course, EQIP. That's one of the programs that, that keeps American agriculture working, and that one was, was you know, I'm, we're glad that they kept those two programs separate. Um, con- you know, a continued conservation compliance tied to crop insurance. We, you know, we believe in healthy soils, uh, you know, clean water, uh, nutritious foods, um, so we can feed those that can't feed themselves, and, and that's going to help us get there. Um, another thing that, that's real important, I live in New Mexico, and there's a, a, a part of the farm bill that a lot of people are going to look at that title and not understand it, and it's a sequia. And what a sequia is, it's a cultural irrigation ditch um, in New Mexico. I think we have the oldest one in America. It was uh, built in the 1400s, 
And this allows us to get acequias as part of that um, farm bill. In, in the past, they, didn't, they really never qualified, um, but a rural ditch association would, but these acequias wouldn't. Vote. Well, the language is in there now that's going to allow the acequias um, to qualify for some of those equip funding so they can continue to farm in those uh, cultural historic areas of especially the southwest um, we, it allows more grazing opportunities under crp increases crp acreage um, i mean the list goes on and on 300 million to the rcpp program which is an increase of about 15 uh, about 50 million in this regional conservation uh partnership project is, is really good because it brings landscape scale projects um, across America. You know, when, when we look at the forest issues and, and we're, we're looking at these devastating fires, we can't go into these major forests and, and do thinning and, and fuel reduction at two or 3,000 acres a year and expect that to make a difference. We're, we've got to be working on huge scale type projects, you know, the, the 30,000 acre projects. Well, RCPP is one of those tools in that toolbox that's going to allow us to do that. Um, it's not no longer taking the RCPP money out of EQIP. It has its own standalone funding, which is great for both EQIP and the RCPP. And then it even provides uh, $500 million for PL-566 dams. So, uh, we, we think it's a win-win for American agriculture. We're talking with Brent Van Dyke, president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. So you're happy with uh, CRP? What They they settled on a $27 million, uh, acre cap, is that 20, right? Increased CRP acreage to 27 million acres. That is correct. And and so that um, that's good for us. There was an, a, a change in... Um, the percentage set aside under in the farm bill for for uh, livestock, um, they dropped that from 60 to 50, which, which is fine. I mean, we're mostly livestock out west, but but that's something we can live with. That we weren't necessarily always using all of it, so that's the, you know that's a that's a, a big win for us. Also, um, there was other things like removal of Sands and Duns requirement for sole proprietorships. That's really important for that, um, you know, sole proprietor farmer. And, and we still are in America, small private family farms. And we didn't need the, um, you know, the red tape associated with Sam Dunn's requirements. So that's, that's another win for uh, American agriculture. So you're happy with the new farm bill. Are you happy with the new waters of the U.S. rule? <laughs> we are. Uh, we've we've always uh, taken the position that you know we uh, your local expertise the the boots on the ground the locally led incentive based conservation and uh, is in that local expertise is where we need to be in American agriculture. So we were opposed to any new uh, regulations under the, the WOTUS rule a couple years ago. And so we stood in opposition because we really we really want to bring back that um, local expertise. And, and we, as the proposed rule is designed to be reviewed 
um, now, I mean, we're, we're extremely happy that the EPA and, and Army Corps of Engineers are, are ready to work on the complexity surrounding the definition of, especially the jurisdictional waters. I mean, we believe that, you know, if you can't stand there and look at a, a, a pool of water and be able to define it, then we've got problems with the system. And, and we think that this is going to be able to do that. That that nexus connection has to be better defined. We believe that once um, this review is completed, we'll be able to do that. Um, I think it's good for American agriculture, and and, and we're not against um, you know uh, clean waters. And and you know, there's people out there say, well, that you know this is going to alleviate that. Well, that's not what we're about. We're about you know healthy soils, clean waters, clean air. Uh, in, in agriculture in a sustainable way, but we still have to, you know, be able to feed uh, not only America, but about 20 or 30 percent of the rest of the world. So I think the common sense approach, the balance uh, act, working with the environment and production agriculture, I think we can, you know, hit a home run almost every time. Yeah, it seems like this rule uh, will have agriculture working with EPA instead of against EPA, as was the case with the old rule. That is exactly correct. And when you look into, you know, these regional communities across America, if you really look at what those people are doing and and those producers in those areas, you know, they are the stewards of the land. They understand the process. They understand that word, quote unquote, sustainability. They understand what it takes. And so they're not out there intentionally, you know, trying to damage the environment. That, that's never been the case for American agriculturists. And, they, yeah, there's a, a few rotten apples out there once in a while. But, you know, the vast majority are doing it for the right reason. They understand the ecosystem. They understand production agriculture. And they're the best stewards to be able to make sure that we're protecting not only our foods but our environment. Very good. So you're happy with both the Farm Bill and the new Waters of the U.S. rule. That's a great way to end up this year. Brent, thank you very much. Thanks for your perspective on both. Thank you, Mike. Have a wonderful week. Brent Van Dyke, president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. As you heard heard him say, they're happy with the the conservation title in the uh, new Farm Bill. And they're very uh, happy with the the direction of the new Waters of the U.S. rule. Still has a ways to go, but uh, that uh, rule seems to be viewed by many in agriculture as definitely a step in the right direction. Stay with us. Much more to come here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture, from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well.
If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. Time now for a market update here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Wheat futures trending higher on a Thursday. USDA said that wheat export sales rose 6% from last week to 754,100 tons. That was up 62% from the prior four-week average. Some people said to be wondering if the Russians will be putting restrictions on their wheat exports. Egypt's state grain buyer bought 180,000 metric tons of Russian and Romanian wheat late on Wednesday after tendering the previous day. Two of the cargoes came from trading house Archer Daniels Midland, one Russian and one Romanian. In addition to the cargoes that Egypt accepted, there were four more offers of Russian grain and one offer of U.S. wheat. On the charts for Chicago wheat, the March contract still stuck within a range between resistance at 532, support at 503 and a quarter. We are bumping up against that resistance level an hour into this Thursday. In corn futures, trending a fraction lower, March contract, 384 and three quarters, down just a fraction of a cent. We were firm midweek in corn, but we did settle in the lower third of the daily range. Soybean futures 11 to 12 cents lower. Some analysts expressing disappointment this morning following reports that state-owned Chinese companies agreed to purchase roughly up to 2 million tons of soybeans for delivery between January and March. Some analysts were hoping for more. Livestock at the Merck on a Thursday. Live cattle futures a dime to 30 cents higher, 35 to 75 higher in feeder cattle. Lean hogs 85 to $1.15 lower. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 156, S&P up 12, January crude oil in New York up 42 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. We continue to get reaction to the new farm bill. Joining us now is President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, Jim Mulhern. Jim, thank you for joining us. Are you happy with the new bill? Very happy, Mike. Uh, This has been a long time coming. Uh, It's taken us about three years to get to this point of making improvements in the in the dairy program and i've I've got to say that uh, 
um, having this bill um, clear the Congress so quickly this week, uh, back-to-back action by the Senate and then the House yesterday. Now it goes to the president. We can't wait for the president to put a signature on the bill and get these provisions implemented in the new year. Let's look at some of the dairy provisions. We'll start with what was the margin protection program, I guess now the dairy margin coverage program. Uh, Tell us what you like about the improvements there. Well, as all your listeners know, the margin protection program that was implemented in the uh, 2014 Farm Bill uh, did not work as um, as hoped, um, and that was largely because of changes that had been made in the formula for calculation of the uh, the margin protection changes that were made during the the Farm Bill debate uh, from from a budget standpoint. Um, we've been working now for the better part of uh, almost three years uh, to make these changes. And the improvements um, that have been made in the program now, as you noted, uh, be renamed the Dairy Margin Coverage Program. The improvements will make this the effective safety net that we were looking for. It'll provide uh, strength and support uh, on the first 5 million pounds of production for all producers, and it will provide um, support for um, all producers through uh, improved risk management features uh, uh, on virtually um, all the milk production. So for dairy, uh, um, this could not be a better package. Um, it will, I think, in terms of looking at all the commodities, dairy probably needed the most help in this farm bill, and we got it. I think dairy comes out better than any, really any other commodity. Does this get the margin program back to where you'd originally hoped it would be before uh, Congress made some changes to it? It does. That's that's really the major change um, in this in this program. As I mentioned, uh, Congress made some changes in the margin formula that we had put together back in the 2012-2014 period. Those changes were made from a from a budget standpoint. Past three years to make uh, improvements in that. Frankly, this farm bill was made possible by that budget act that uh, we were able to get done earlier this year where the um, Appropriations Committee, under the leadership of uh, Senator Patrick Leahy and uh, then-Chairman Senator Thad Cochran from Mississippi, the two of them together put changes into the the Appropriations Bill that made the the margin program more effective for 2018. So the producers this year who were in the program did receive benefit, um, and we can talk about that in a little bit. Uh, That provided the foundation to make these further improvements uh, so we'll see a program going forward for the next five years that will provide the safety net support that we want. And importantly, Mike, we did not want a program that will that will generate excess milk production. And the fixes that have been made in this bill, um, I think, provide just that balance, provide support on a certain amount of production um, uh, through a through the dairy margin coverage program, and then provide increased risk management. Uh, support uh, for larger volumes of production. So producers will be able to participate participate in both the dairy margin coverage program and the new livestock gross margin insurance program. They will, and that's an important change, um, as uh, implied in your question. Uh, the previous, the current law, um, which we're still under until this farm bill is signed into law, um, doesn't allow producers to be in the MPP program and an LGM, uh, and that was one of the, there was a concern that Congress had originally and put that restriction in place. We've gotten rid of that. So going forward, when this, when this 
uh, bill is signed into law and goes into effect next year, producers will be able to enroll in the dairy margin coverage program as well as in the new, um, the, the expanded dairy risk management programs, LGM, the Livestock Gross Margin Program, as well as the new um, Revenue Protection Program that is um, offered by USDA. So to be able to sign up for both programs, that'll be a help to dairy farmers and puts them really on equal footing with, with um, crop producers who have been able to be in the, the Title I programs of, of ARC or PLC as well as have crop insurance. Um, so this really does put dairy on more equal footing with, with other commodity producers. And as you pointed out, Jim, this comes at a critical time of need for dairy producers. It really does. Uh, you know, we're now in the uh, ending the fourth year of uh, poor to mediocre prices or mediocre to poor prices, and this year certainly has been one of the poor ones. Um, so this couldn't come at a better time. Um, you know, I will note that uh, the changes we made earlier this year did provide some margin coverage protection to farmers who signed up for it. Uh, the payments this year um, have averaged about almost 45 cents per hundredweight um, net of premiums. So after you calculate or subtract out the premiums that have been paid, uh, farmers in the dairy farmers in the margin program this year have received about 45 cents per hundredweight. When you go forward, um, just for comparison purposes, if 2018 were a, um, uh, rather of 2019, were a repeat of, of this year, of 2018, uh, to give people a sense of what these changes mean. Um, so if we had the same prices in 2019 as we had this year, that 45 cents per hundredweight would go to um, about $1.70 per hundredweight. So you can see the kind of improvement these changes by being able to sign up for, instead of $8 as the maximum coverage level on the margin, the new program will let producers sign up for a maximum level of 950. Um, that is going to be significant. And so if we had a repeat next year of this year, we hope we don't, but if we did, uh, there would be substantially more support through this program than producers have received this year. Is it safe to say that uh, this was a united effort by the dairy industry to, to get these uh, provisions into the Farm Bill? Well, it truly was, and we worked very hard to bring that about. You know, we spent a lot of time over the last few years addressing the concerns of the producer community from coast to coast. Uh, we had our Economic Policy Committee here at National Milk Producers Federation come together, uh, examine the, the shortcomings of the current program, and put together recommendations for improvements. Uh, and that process that we've gone through uh, brought people together from uh, all parts of the country and really all size operations that we were able to go to Capitol Hill as a united industry on the producer community side. Um, and in addition to that, we worked hard to uh, work with the dairy processors and uh, gain their support for these improvements. So I'm, I'm happy to say that we have a dairy title, dairy provisions in this 2018 Farm Bill, uh, that for the first time in my career, and I've been working on dairy policy you know, since the 1980s, this is the first time that we've had a policy supported by producers from coast to coast, and, um, and equally important, supported by producers and processors. Bringing folks together has really worked well. So, you know, united, uh, we can get things done, and I'm so pleased that uh, we've had that kind of support in our co-ops, in state dairy associations, 
as well as in the processor community. Folks have really come together, put their shoulder to, into this, provided the support that we saw to get a bill, bill passed on a broad bipartisan vote of, in both the House and Senate. It's a really refreshing situation to see when we work together uh, and, and can get Republicans and Democrats to work together, get a bipartisan support, we can actually make progress in this country. We're talking with Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Jim, what did you think of the new Waters of the U.S. rule that was released? You know, Mike, that's a, it was a really good, uh, this is a very, very productive and busy week. Um, important improvements um, in this proposal. Uh, we're still, frankly, studying it because uh, it was just released. Um, we were at a, a, a ceremony earlier this week at EPA um, to um, uh, see the, the release of the proposal. Uh, but I will say that uh, all the money, many of the concerns we've had about the existing Waters of the U.S. rule um, and all of the, you know, the mess that's created, uh, many of those problems for agriculture look to be addressed in a positive way um, in this proposal. Um, the proposed rule will maintain uh, much of the, you know, the long-standing protection for, for large rivers and lakes, which is appropriate. Um, it'll, it'll also um, you know, address uh, tributaries um, uh, that, uh, that flow year-round um, or float, uh, flow intermittently in a typical year. But one of the major concerns we had was you know, streams that flow only after rainfall, uh, which frankly make up um, uh, a large uh, portion of the, of the waterways in the West, um, they would have been harmed uh, significantly by the, the previous rule. Um, under this proposal, um, those wouldn't be covered, and um, I think the, it's going to take a, uh, quite a while to get through this process, but we're pleased with, uh, with the proposed rule that is coming forward. So a significant, couple of significant uh, um, pieces of... Um hopefully an improved picture moving forward for agriculture here at the end of the year with the Farm Bill and Waters of the U.S. rule. And it couldn't come at a better time. Um, you know, this, this has been a tough year for agriculture on many fronts. Um, we still have issues to deal with. Um, you know, I, as much as I'm pleased with the, the improvements here in the Farm Bill, um, you know, we still do have a, a trade situation that uh, uh, is of concern. The uh, steel and aluminum tariffs are still in effect on our largest market, uh, Mexico. Um, the issues with China continue. Um, so we still have uh, work to do to address those and uh, get back to being able to move our exports into international markets without the, the barriers of, of these tariffs. Uh, but things are getting better. Yep, plenty of challenges ahead, but uh, some bright spots here uh, at the end of the year, hopefully that will lead to better times in the future. Jim, as always, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Mike, and happy holidays. Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. 
Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help. America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call mobile help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Over the holiday season, you know there are so many pleas out there for assistance from one organization or another. All of them do good work. We're asking you not to forget us. Every child deserves a little Christmas. Every year since 1947, the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program has been out there collecting toys for millions of deserving children, children who otherwise would go without at this most joyous time of year. The Toys for Tots website is the starting point to find one of our campaign sites. It's toysfortots.org. That's really simple. Toysfortots.org. All one word toysfortots.org. There you'll be able to find out how to donate directly to a local campaign or register for assistance. Toysfortots.org. All you need to remember, toysfortots.org. Delivering hope since 1947. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If 
If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5705. That's 1-800-829-5705. Again, 1-800-829-5705. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, so the farm bill has passed. Big margins in both the Senate, 87 to 13, and House, 369 to 47. After all the uh, the months of arguing and uh, debate, they finally got it done. And uh, now it'll be interesting because... Uh, Mike Conaway and Colin Peterson will switch roles as uh, Colin Peterson in the coming year will be the new chairman of the House Ag Committee and uh, Mike Conaway will become the ranking member. Those two have had their differences during uh, this uh, farm bill debate, but they say they are putting that behind them now and look forward to working together moving forward. All right, we continue to look at uh, this farm bill, what's in it, and want to look at the livestock side of things. We've heard about the, what's in it for dairy, the dairy industry happy with the dairy provisions of the farm bill. Uh, let's talk now with Allison Rivera with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Allison, I know one of the main things, didn't always get a lot of publicity, but it was very important to the livestock community, and that was a vaccine bank, and that's in there. Absolutely. We are very pleased to see that uh, not only was the bank authorized, but mandatory money was provided um, of that 120 million provided um, in the first four years uh, of this bill we do need to work with the secretary to make sure that uh, that that money is prioritized for the bank um, and that's uh, that's my next job over at USDA is to is to impress upon the secretary how important uh, the funding for this bank uh, is and how will that work? How will that money be used? How will this bank be created? Absolutely. So this, this bank will be a bank uh, housed overseas. It will be a contractual agreement between USDA and a private uh, entity to not only create the vaccine but hold the antigen in place for different strains of FMD so that in the case of an outbreak that we have the strains available uh, and ready to be turned very quickly into uh, as many doses as we need of the of the vaccine to uh, to bring over uh, back over to the U.S. So uh, it's a much faster process with the with the, a bank overseas uh, and prepared particularly for U.S. use only, which we do not currently have right now. You know, this is kind of like insurance. It's something you don't like to pay for, but you do hoping that you never have to use it, but uh, you know you need it, and th that's the case here. Ideally, it would never be needed, but we know there's uh, you know, there's uh, always that chance, and some would say it's more a matter of uh, 
when than if, but uh, you, you need to be prepared, and that's why this was so critical. Absolutely, and and this vaccine bank can uh, house other vaccines that are important to the livestock industry down the road. I think we have learned a lot as an industry over the years, as we've seen the outbreak of AI, as we've unfortunately seen PED, and we talk about African uh, swine fever. I think this vaccine bank is a prime example of how animal agriculture, and, and particularly uh, from the beef side of things, we, we just want to be proactive, we want to be prepared, and we want to be, we want to acknowledge the fact that this is a global, global market and that products are moving in and out of our country, and we want to be able to protect our producers. And this was our request of members of Congress, help us work with USDA to protect our producers and the livelihood of all of our, our producers out there just trying to make a living and feed the world. Because we are vulnerable, and you don't want to have an outbreak and look back and say, well, if we had just funded that vaccine bank, we'd have been prepared to deal with some, with an outbreak. This, you know, we were, we were really unprepared in some ways for a major outbreak at this point, right, without that vaccine bank. Absolutely. We, we simply don't have enough, uh, enough doses, enough of the different strains of FMD covered at the bank in Plum Island that we share, the North American bank that we currently share with, uh, with Mexico and Canada. Um, at the same time, you know, we always use the example, we saw one case of BSE, you know, more than 10 years ago, and the export markets immediately closed for us. And we want to just make sure that if there is an outbreak, that we are able to get it under control quickly and successfully so that when those markets are closed to us, they can reopen as as quickly as possible because our industry relies so heavily on on those export markets. And so we want to make sure that we, with this bank, that we are prepared and that we are ready and we get those markets back open successfully. We're talking with Allison Rivera with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Allison, what else is in this new farm bill that uh, you're happy with? Sure. So there's, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said it was the best bill in the world, but we are pleased with some of the things that that we achieved in this bill for our producers. Um, Some of those priorities we've talked about, the FMD bank and some of the other animal preparedness pieces, um, but also on the conservation title, the uh, EQIP program, the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, we received an increase in funding up to uh, $2 billion uh, into fiscal year 2023. We are grateful for that. We think we were able to work with both House and Senate Ag to get some streamlining of that program um, so that it is easier for our producers to use. Uh, We also worked on some conservation easement program items with them, and so we were grateful to see um, some uh, restored funding to $450 million per year for that program as well. We also saw things like the Feral Swine Eradication and Control Pilot Program that's going to be established and funded at $75 million. And this is going to help some of our guys out in the southeast that are really struggling with those feral swine. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of strong pieces in this bill, and we look forward to working with the Secretary to implement uh, this bill that Congress has passed. Real quick, what would have been some things you would have liked to have seen in there that did not uh, uh, get into the final bill? So the forestry title was was unfortunately uh, kind of gutted at the end of things. Uh, the House really had some great uh, wildfire mitigation and forestry management issues in there that really would have helped a lot of our producers out west. But um, unfortunately, those items were taken out. Uh, there was some uh, depredation permitting 
um, for some of our producers that have been dealing with black vultures around the country, um, and there was a WOTUS repeal. So there was there was a lot of things that were um, that were in the House passed version that were unfortunately taken out in conference that we really would have liked to have uh, maintained. Uh, obviously, I would have liked to have seen even more funding for the FND bank, but um, w again, we will work with what we have been given. Uh, getting a farm bill done is not easy. So we are, we are grateful that one has gotten across the finish line. It only took us, you know, about two and a half years from start to finish. Uh, and, and the next step is really implementation and, and working with USDA to get this bill moving. Very good. Allison, thank you very much. Thank you. Allison Rivera with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and her thoughts on the new farm bill. That wraps it up for today. Thanks for joining us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. <music>